All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Oh my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back. I don't know if this is an intrepid business or an intrepid lifestyle show. Uh, generally, my conversations with today's guests apply to so much of our lives. It frankly fits anywhere. So I'm just going to call it another edition of Intrepid Radio. So I have uh, interviewed this gentleman now, I think... This is the fourth time he's been on the show. Frankly, he's written four books now, and so we've interviewed him every time. I always enjoy my conversations. It has been fun to watch this guy's life and career, and he's been an inspiration to me. So always good to spend some time with him. Let's welcome back Chris Gillibo. He's an author, speaker, traveler, and the host of the World Domination Summit. Chris, welcome back to the show. Hey, Todd. Thanks so much for having me back. It's a, it's a great tradition to come on for every book now. So if I ever write 10 books, uh, hopefully you're still making the show. Well, you better uh, keep writing because uh, uh, I, I do so enjoy our conversations and I know my audience does too. In fact, I, I do want to dive into later in our conversation, kind of the, the journey behind your writing and where it's going and what I think you're creating. So it'd be fun to talk about that. Chris, I'm quite sure that everyone listening to this show is all too familiar with you and your work uh, since you've been on the show several times, but I also think their mindset is very similar to yours. And so I'm sure they're familiar, but just in case, those who are not familiar with the work of Chris Gilboa, give them a quick background on who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I said, it's great to come back. I'm a writer, traveler, and entrepreneur. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a great community of amazing people all over the world. About eight years ago, I started a blog called The Art of Nonconformity, and that was initially set up to chronicle this quest I had of going to every country in the world. And I've been pursuing that quest for several years at that point, uh, just as a private journey, but I started sharing publicly about it. And that kind of grew into a lot of other things. I started sharing about entrepreneurship, which is how I'd supported myself, personal development and growth, just kind of lifestyle, um, just kind of you know living your own life and making decisions for yourself, some things that your listeners are probably very familiar with. So that was eight years ago, uh, written a few books. I produced the World Domination Summit, as you kindly mentioned. And as I said, I'm, I'm very excited and, and grateful that I have a great community, and I hope to keep making things for them for a long time. Well, we, we certainly hope you continue to do that important work. As we said, the new book called Born for This, How to Find the Work You Were Meant to Do. So, gosh, uh, we're, we're going to talk about your other volumes in the whole Chris Gillibo series in, in a few minutes, because I, I actually do have a very serious question about that. But mm -hmm. why this book and why this book now? Yeah, great question. You know, I, I've, I've evolved a little bit uh, just, as, just as everyone does. And you know, I wrote a book called The $100 Startup a few years ago, which was basically encouraging people to quit their jobs and go out on, on their own. And I think that's great. I always have my own bias for entrepreneurship. But I think it's also fair to say that you can find your dream job or you can create your dream job in an organization or a company as well. 
So the whole goal with this book is, is to help people apply entrepreneurial thinking, whether they actually want to be an entrepreneur or not. And I noticed in, in all the conversations I had, a lot of the research that I did with people, they used some, some similar phrases. And they talked about winning the career lottery was one of those phrases. They said, you know, I feel like I've won the career lottery. I go, I go to work every day. I would do it even if I didn't get paid for it. But fortunately, I do get paid for it. Uh, so, you know, what happened in those people's lives? What choices did they make? Were they just lucky? Or did they actually kind of follow a certain path that led them to, to create their dream job or to, to get wherever they are in life? Well, there's an interesting debate going online right now. I mean, there, there's an old cliche that I think actually, because I've been fortunate to fall into that trap myself, uh, but the, the old line saying, do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life. Uh -huh. And there's plenty of people out there that say, yeah, that's not uh -huh. real. That's not reality. I mean, it's if you watch Star Wars all day long, you really probably can't earn a living doing right, that. Right, right. So, I mean, it's an interesting debate. I mean, I get where both sides are coming from. Uh -huh. Where does the philosophy behind Born for This fall? into that debate yeah yeah I mean that's a great example like you may love watching Star Wars but you probably can't make a living at it but presumably there's other things that you also love like you love more than one thing and so I think when it comes to that whole question of do you follow your passion well you know you can follow certain passions that have overlap with what other people value and so the model that I used in born for this is that everyone kind of wants three qualities in life from their work they want joy which is exactly what we've been talking about, something that you love to do. They also want money because it has to be viable. It has to be sustainable. This isn't a hobby. It's a career. And then they want flow, which is essentially using your unique skills and doing the kind of work where it doesn't feel like work. It, it actually kind of feels immersive and you can spend a long time on it uh, without realizing how many hours have gone by. It's something special that you do. And so I think the closer that we get to this intersection between joy, money, and flow, that is the ultimate goal. It doesn't mean that we won't have to make compromises, doesn't mean that we won't settle at different times in life, like we have to do that. Uh, I, I delivered pizza when I was 16 years old. I don't think that was the work I was born to do, but it, you know, but it was fine. The goal essentially is to get closer to that intersection. Chris, I mentioned to you pre-show that I'm now living in Chicago and I'm in a high-rise downtown. And as I, as I look out my studio window, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11 really, really tall office buildings. You and I both know that there are an awful lot of people sitting behind those windows in a cubicle, not really satisfied with the work they're doing. They're coming in, they're, they're commuting into town, they're, they're, <laughs> they're punching in the clock and they're doing their thing and they can't wait for five o'clock to hit and go home. Right, right. I, so there's a lot of those people outside, just the view out of my window all over the planet that are not doing the work they were meant to do. I, I, my, who was who this book for? I mean, because I, I think there's really two classifications. It's the people who are not doing the work they were they're satisfied with. But I think there's people that, that are in those jobs, though, uh -huh. that can rethink and, yeah, and yeah. change mindsets and actually find meaning even in, in a boring, say, corporate job. Yeah, absolutely. Or they can recreate that job, essentially, right. you know, ar around something that maybe deploys their skills in a more unique way. As for who the book is for, it's for the dissatisfied. You know, my market is essentially the discontented or the dissatisfied. And, I, and when I say that, I don't mean miserable. I, I mean, like, people who want more out of life, just as you said. Like, maybe they are at that soul-sucking job. They want to make a change either to another company, another organization, or a totally different field, or they want to go out on their own, or they want to pursue kind of a hybrid lifestyle, which is very, very common these days, 
where people do some kind of freelancing or consulting or some side hustle, but then they also work for a company for a time. So basically, I'm trying to help people and give them the tools and resources to make changes, to make practical changes. So I'm looking for people who are already motivated. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a big motivator. I'm not like trying to pump you up or whatever. Like, I'm looking for people who are like, yes, I want to do something different with my life. And I need some help kind of getting there. I need to know, you know I'm ready to cross to the other side, but I need a guide or I need someone to tell me exactly how to do it. When you're traveling the world or you're on a book tour, which you do virtually with every book you do, and, and you sit down across a table from someone who says, Chris, I'm just not sure what work I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you deal with that? I mean, I, part of me wants to get frustrated with that person to For say, sure. how do you not know? How do you not understand <laughs> that? Have you not, have you not used your head and thought about it? But I also realize eh, it wasn't that long ago that I was in that position. Sure, how, do sure. you, how do you, what do you, what do you say to that person who sits across from you and says, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, well, actually I think it's quite normal. I think we, we put too much pressure on people um, especially young people, but really people of all ages, uh, to, to know what their life purpose is. And you don't know what your life purpose is when you're 20. You have to kind of experiment. You have to go down different paths. And you usually kind of find it along the way. There's this great Steve Jobs quote about how you can't always connect the dots looking forward. But when you look backward, you can kind of see, oh, this kind of led me to this. But here's a very practical thing that you can do. Most people, when they think about their work or their career, they only think about profession. They think, I'm going to be a designer, a web developer, a broadcaster, author, firefighter, whatever it is. And people think that way, whether they're six years old, thinking about what I want to do when I grow up, whether they're 17, thinking, what do I want to study in college? Or if they're 60, thinking about a second act. And what I found through the research was it's actually just as important to understand your ideal working conditions. And so working conditions are things like how you like to spend your time, when you're most productive, how much work you like to do with others versus working on your own, how you like to be motivated and incentivized and rewarded for your work. If you can start to kind of think about those things and then make career decisions along those lines, it can actually get you a lot closer to that thing you're born to do. Even if you're not sure like what the big picture, what the content is or the profession, you can actually begin to enjoy your work a lot more by thinking about working conditions. Well, you've talked about that a lot. It's almost in the context of of the ideal work as well as thinking about the ideal working conditions, which which I think in most cases are very are very separate. And if I'm understanding what you just said correctly, that's the first step, right? Is understanding all right, what are your ideal working conditions? Because that's that is an environment that you can control right now and no matter where you're working, correct? Right, exactly. And these these are things that we don't learn in school. We don't we're not trained on how to understand, okay, how do how do I do my best work? And and formal education is all about hard skills. It's all about teaching people how to be an engineer, how to use that programming language or whatever. Uh, and, and what is just, just as important is, as you said, the working conditions. Uh, also, soft skills. Soft skills are things like communication, follow-up, follow-through, negotiation. These are things that can advance your career. These are things that can get you out of that, that high-rise office building, that soul-sucking job, into something that is more enjoyable, more rewarding, more meaningful to you. And anyone can improve these skills, right? Anyone can learn to be a better communicator, can learn to facilitate meetings, can learn to be the person who kind of captures information and goes and makes sure something happens. That person is very valuable, regardless of what their specific occupation or profession is. 
See, I think about the, the person in that soul-sucking job, as you say it, and, and I say, how, what do we need to do? How does that person figure out how to get inspired to finally say, enough of this, oh. I want to move on? I mean, just half an hour before we connected online uh, for this conversation, uh, two gentlemen delivered a new dresser to Mrs. Schnick. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about those poor, those poor bastards that had lugged this yeah. giant dresser up an elevator, and I thought, ugh, what a miserable existence. And I thought, you All know right. what? Because I was thinking about the conversation you and I were soon to have and say, what do I tell that guy? How do, how do oh. I inspire him? How do I begin to figure out how to coach him, how to help him, how to inspire him, how to motivate him to say, look, in the short term, you're going to have to figure this out because this is your right, job right. in the short term. But there is more out there if you want it. I mean, yeah. so it's kind of what you're saying, right, is, is there's a way to say, even though I deliver furniture, now, I can take pride in the fact that the furniture is high-end. It's uh-huh. quality. It, it, people talk about it. It's something they're proud of and all that. I mean, so I can take some pride in the fact that I play a role in that story. I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure out how the guy listening to this episode who says, yeah, but I deliver furniture. It's, there's no hope for me. <laughs> okay. Well, I think there's there's two different groups of those people who, who deliver furniture, which, as you said, it, it can be a noble thing. It's fine, you know. But there's the group of people who who want to change and those who don't. And so as for how to, how to inspire people, I... I don't know if that's the right question because you know, I'm not very good at going to someone and saying like, hey, by the way, like your job sucks and, and you should change and right. you know, here's how you can do it. But there are a lot of people who, you know, who, who are in that situation who are like, yes, this, is, this isn't what I want to do, obviously, with my life you know, for the rest of my life. And those are the people that I'm interested in reaching. And so uh, I think sometimes people, sometimes people come to these big changes when they get pushed, you know, when they get laid off from their job. I have so many stories of people who have you know, been laid off and that, that kind of led them eventually to the work they were born to do. So they had this kind of forced imperative where they had to go out and do something different. And that's interesting. But to me, it's almost more interesting when someone doesn't have that imperative. They are just kind of sitting in that office building or wherever their work site is. And they actually kind of begin to take action, to take initiative, to create something. One of the things people do a lot is create a side hustle. So I wrote a lot about this in the book. And this is, you know, something that you do kind of on your own. Maybe it doesn't make a ton of money. But I found, again, through research that uh, even a small amount of money from a, a second or a third income source is disproportionately satisfying. Mm. You know, when you when you get your first client, when you make something and you sell it, even if it's just on Etsy or eBay or whatever, people get really excited. And I, I've seen that in my life too. Like whenever I've started a new business or something, I'm you know my, I might work you know forty hours on something and it makes fifty dollars, but I'm really excited because like I, I made that. You know, and I think that produces confidence. That allows people to then say, okay, how can I do this more? Or how can I apply this skill in a different way so that I can get out of the furniture delivery business and into something that is more, more rewarding, more meaningful, and hopefully pays better too. Isn't that the whole message of Chris Gillibo? I mean, all, this whole, the whole life story of you is to say, do something that makes you excited because that's, what, that's what's really what this is all about. That's what you're going to re- reflect upon on your deathbed, right? Yeah, sure. Well, I would say do something that's valuable. And when I say value, I mean something that, that is helpful and useful and interesting to other people. But yes, that also that you care about, of course, because life is short. And I think you're actually going to do better work you know, when you're doing something that you're, you're excited about. So to me, kind of the, the, the gold is, is when we get closer to that, where it is, yeah, I do love my work. It's also helping people feel like I'm actually making an impact. And it's also, as I said, financially rewarding, because I definitely want to help people with their careers. So talk more about, you mentioned the intersection of joy, money, and flow. And, and I think most people listening to this will say, okay, I get the joy thing. Yep. I understand the money thing. Yeah, I have to actually, I have obligations that I got to, I got to, but I don't know that everyone fully understands what you mean by flow. So, I mean, you talked about you have to lose yourself in the flow of meaningful work. Now, 
there's a lot that line sounds really good, but I worry that most people will say that and they don't really know what that means. So, yep. so what do you mean by lose yourself? What do you mean? Go deeper on what you actually mean by flow. And then, I mean, obviously that ties into meaningful work, which has been the theme of this conversation, but, but go deeper on flow. Okay. Yeah, totally. It's a good question. So here's something you can do at the end of the day. At the end of the day, you kind of look back at, on your work day and you answer this question. First question is, did today matter? And you know the answer to that question. Like you're able to answer that. Like you can look back and say, okay, did I, did I get closer to my goals? You know, did I invest in the relationships I believe in? They're important to me. You know, was I working, working forward? You know, and whatever that looks like to you, if, if it mattered, that's great. If, if the day is kind of like, well, I, it kind of got away from me. I spent my whole day responding to things. I got sucked into something. Maybe it wasn't so great. So the first thing is we want to get closer to having every day matter, or at least as many days as possible. Now, as for flow, you can also say, okay, what, what did I do today that gave me energy and what drained my energy? And that sounds like a woo-woo question, but it's not. It's actually very practical. It's very, it's very practical to identify, okay, this is the kind of work that actually brings us energy. It, it is the kind of work where time can go by. It's, something, it's usually something that you're good at that not everybody else is good at. And if you don't know what that is, if you have coworkers or colleagues, sometimes they can identify it. If you're ever doing some group work, if you're in a meeting, even a school project or something, and tasks are being divvied up, and they kind of look around and they're like, oh, Todd should do this. Hey, Todd, can you, you know, take care of this responsibility or this area? It's almost like the group is, is saying, like, this is your strength. This is your skill. So even if you don't recognize it yourself, maybe that gets you a little bit closer to understanding what flow is for you. Yeah, no, I appreciate you expanding on that. And I love the question that you should ask yourself at the end of a day. Did today matter? And I, here's another thing I worry about, though, with that question, Chris, is that if I'm listening to this and I say, well, all right, so did today matter for me? And I, but I think about Chris Gillibo, who's traveled to every country in the world and, and is continuing to travel. And he started these amazing businesses where he, he, he can, he works from trains and he works from planes and he works from hotels and he runs on every beach on the planet. And, and he's written uh, four books now and all that and probably got more coming and all that. How does my life compare to that? It sucks. And, and, I, and, I, and I think it's important for, and I would love for you to comment on this is to say, how, mm. How today matters is different for every one of us, right? Of course, it's different. Yeah, I mean, in, in comparison, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, I believe mm. is the quote, right? Uh, right? The more you start comparing yourself, and I, I do that too. You know, I look. I might look at somebody else who's more successful or more money or whatever the the matrix or the thing is. But I, I know I think you define it for yourself, and you say, you know, what what brings me life satisfaction? What are my goals? What am I working toward? And the other thing I would say is, you know, you mentioned like going to every country in the world. I didn't start out with that vision. It's not like I had, hadn't gone to any country at all and was like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I just started pursuing things that I was interested in that I cared about. I started traveling and then eventually I had the goal of going to 100 countries. And then, then eventually it was going to every country in the world. So as you actually take these steps, I think that the, the experience gives you confidence and the experience kind of, you know, enlargens the goal. So, you know, once you start going down this road, the road of adventure, the road of exploration or discovery, you don't always know where you're going to end up. It may be actually a lot further along than you first expected. Yeah. Yeah. Chances are that's how it works too, right? And that's okay. And that's, that's the beauty of that, of that discovery of that journey. So let's close on this subject. I told you I wanted to ask you about this body of work that you're beginning to create. As I was reflecting on your, on your writing career, I'm not talking about necessarily the blog chronicling your journey yeah. to nonconformity and traveling all these countries. I was thinking about the actual books, right? So the first yeah. book was kind of the art of nonconformity and followed by the hundred dollars startup. 
And then the third book, which was actually still my favorite, was The Happiness of Pursuit, which was this idea of, yeah, hoisting the trophy is great, but actually what you're going to find is oh. is the journey and the work that went into, that what resulted in hoisting the trophy was what you're going to find is truly meaningful. It's that, that's what I took away from that. Mm-hmm. And then I think about Born for This, the, the, the new book, and I, I look at that body of work, and, and I have almost have a couple of questions. Is mm-hmm. Was this part of some grand scheme? <laughs> because I sit there now, and, and I think, about if if some young kid walked up to me, say he was 16 years old and he was nearing the end of high school and he was like, I'm I, I want to I am ambitious. I want a big life and I, and I want I want to do something different. I, I don't want to follow the herd. Part of what I would almost do now is say, I got one thing to do. Just just get download the whole four volume series from Chris Gillibo because it kind of gives you this roadmap of a unique life, right? And, and, I mean, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm some people maybe listening to this saying, oh, you're just kissing Chris's ass on this thing. But, <laughs> but let me tell you, though, but that, that's how I see this thing almost coming together. And I don't know if that was some grand scheme of yours or if, if that's just how it unfolded. And I don't know yeah. what you have planned next, if anything. Talk, talk to me about how this is uh, this this entire body of work kind of folds into one narrative. I mean, I, I, I think it's actually quite fascinating. Well, you're, you're very kind to say all that. And it, uh, it definitely was not a, a grand scheme. It wasn't a grand vision or a strategy. I, I had no idea that it would kind of turn into this. And, and, you know, when I was getting out of high school and going into college, well, first of all, I didn't actually finish high school. I dropped out of high school. I had this turbulent adolescence and wasn't really sure which direction my life was going to go. I ended up being able to go to college later, and that was, that was fine. But I spent four years living in West Africa as an aid worker, and that's where I kind of discovered the love of travel and different cultures. And I had always been big on goals. You know, I wrote about that in The Happiness of Pursuit. Like I, was, I was a list maker. I was always like writing down my to-do list and my list of ideas and things I wanted to accomplish. And so that turned into the quest. And then as I was turning 30, I, I kind of looked back on, back on some of these experiences, and I thought, well, this is, this is fine and well, but what am I really building here? You know, you mentioned uh, we, we were talking during a break about Seth Godin. Seth Godin is really, really passionate about, you know, encouraging people to, to create building blocks and this body of work, as you called it. And I thought, what, what is my body of work? What am I working toward? Because I've done all these random things, but they don't actually point to anything together. And I have no platform. And when I say platform, I don't mean it in like a social media way. I just mean like I have no means of, of reaching people. If I have some kind of message I want to share, how would I possibly do that? So that's how I started the blog. And in the beginning, it was just, here's all these countries I'm going to. And I got some really great feedback, maybe you know a couple months in of writing the blog. A lot of readers kind of said in, in different ways, hey, this is great for you, but what does this do for me? Right. And it does. And I was like, that's a good point. Actually, it actually doesn't help readers just to say, like, I'm this guy doing this. And so that kind of helped me go down a road of of transition and thinking, OK, how can I use my story? But not just my story, like like all the stories of people in the community, people that I've met, you know, people that I've met through referral, friends of friends and friends of acquaintances and so on. How can I tell this collective story? You mentioned collective narrative. How can I tell this collective story in a way that gives people tools and resources, that gives people role models, not just me, not just uh, any celebrity, but you know, real people who have, who have done amazing things? How can we present all this information in a way that allows people to take action? So uh, it's been a very organic process. It, ne- it never was a grand strategy. And as for, as for what's coming up next, uh, I, I really intend to keep pursuing this this vision and this path i don't necessarily know exactly you know what the next expression of it or iteration of it will be but ultimately i want to help people 
live unconventional lives. I want to help people, you know, make decisions for themselves and then follow up on those decisions so that they can create the life that they want. Well, to me, when we can label Chris Gillibo successful is when we all look at life unconventionally just as a, as a natural state of being, right? I mean, when we have to sit there and classify this this traditional life versus this this unconventional life, that's why your work still matters because there's still a pursuit to achieving that. Someday, I think we're going to get to a point where where everyone's living unconventional life, and 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 that will be the new normal. And I think that I think that would be a good place to be. Well, I was going to be impressed with either answer, Chris. If you had said, "Oh, this was all part of a grand scheme," right, right. and I launched with the publisher several years now, right. but I think the other the important lesson from the way you did answer that question was, you know what, it organically evolved, and and yep. that's how life's supposed to be. That's and that's what happens when you get out there and you and you throw noodles against a wall. You just something's going to happen, and 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 you had successes, you had failures along the way that that continue to inform and involve how you proceeded and how you continue to evolve and that's and, and and this that this message is important to someone listening to this who who hasn't done anything of any value or any merit, and they and they feel stuck is because they haven't taken a gamble, and and that's I think that's the message there. Well, Chris, shoot, um, as always, uh, it's, it's so invigorating to spend some time with you, and and you continue to be an inspiration to me and, and many who are listening. So grateful for your continued important work, and and I, I look forward to seeing how that that grand scheme that that body of work continues to evolve. So. So appreciate everything that you're doing. Before I let you go, how can people contact you? Should they have questions? Where can they learn more about all your important work? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Born for This? Awesome. Well, thank you very much for those kind words. It is an honor to always be on the program. Thanks to the listeners as well. If you have any questions or if I can do anything else for you, I'm at chrisgillibo.com, chrisgillibo on all social media. Or if you can't spell that, you can just go to bornforthisbook.com and you can learn about where to get the book. All right. Chris Gillibo, author, speaker, traveler, host of the World Domination Summit, which, by the way, is a killer event. Chris, as always, my friend, a real pleasure to spend time with you. Thanks for making time. Awesome. Thank you, Todd. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Chris Gillibo, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. 